0: Welcome to Locked On NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Wes Goldberg, Warriors beat reporter for the Mercury News and host of Locked On Warriors, here with David Vermill, the host of Locked On Heat. On today's show, we discuss what's next for James Harden as the situation in Houston unravels, how we expect the coronavirus to impact the upcoming season, and then we rank the contenders in the NBA. It's all coming up here on Locked On NBA. You are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, David, let's do this and let's play Where in the World is James Harden? Because days after videos of Harden hanging out in Las Vegas club popped up on social media, Rockets coach Steven Silas said he doesn't know where his star player is after Harden missed day one of training camp on Monday. Silas added that there is, quote, no timetable. As far as I know, it is a setback. You want your best player to be here, end quote. And then our friend Rohan Nankarni of Sports Illustrated elaborated on that situation in Houston, reporting that someone familiar with Harden's thinking described the Rockets' culture as, quote, toxic and called them the Knicks of the South, end quote. David, that doesn't sound great. I don't think you ever want to be the Knicks of the South, West, East, North, in any direction. Where can the Rockets and Harden go from here?
1: It sounds like I mean there's only one place for them to go, which is to trade James Harden, and I I don't see how likely that is. I know it's something that you think is probably imminent. And in our last week's episode, you did say that a big trade was in the works, and of course Russell Westbrook was soon sent out to Washington right after we uh, you had made that prediction. So kudos to you first and foremost. But I I think you also thought that the Harden trade was something likely to happen, if not by the start of the season, but but right around that start of the season, they're not going to keep Harden there for much longer and if that's the case then I I guess it's Harden's move to try and force their hand a little bit I I just it seems so confusing right because you've had I know it hasn't been a particularly long offseason but for Houston it has like they haven't played since September I want to say that when they were eliminated by the Lakers and if that's the case that's a that's enough time for the Rockets front office and everything to kind of get aligned. Then Tony's tenure with the team ended right after their stint in the bubble. You knew that something was going to happen with Maury. It's been in the works for a, over a month now, as far as you know, him joining the Sixers. We've been hearing rumors about him going to Brooklyn. Nothing's happened there. And then think about it from the perspective of like, you know, the, the trade I'm sorry, that the draft picks have acquired John wall, who was acquired even Christian Wood, who signed there as a free agent, imagine he signed with his team, and then all of a sudden you see this rampant dysfunction, this this toxic, you know, culture that's already taking place. And I wonder, you know, I mean, we all know what Termin uh, or Tilma Fertitta's issues might be, but you know, it doesn't seem like Harden's actually contributing to anything positive either. So I, I just it seems like it just needs a, a good cleansing, one way or the other. And I guess the first step of that the most likely step anyway is moving James Harden.
0: I mean, we've heard things for years about how James Harden prefers to have a more casual type of atmosphere. And when we say casual, what that so often means is he wants to be able to show up wherever he wants, whenever he wants, including (laughs) practice days and game days and maybe even day one of training camp. If he would prefer to spend it in Las Vegas partying, then he would like to have uh, that ability. He would afford it to him. Right. And so I don't know. Where James, I think that's a big question mark, because even if you were a team that wanted James Harden's skill set, and I think there's, you know, real questions with that, too. Can you fit in with a normal, can he can play like real basketball or can he only play this weird James Harden version of basketball? I tend to think that he can just because he hasn't in a lot of years doesn't mean he can't. Um, he's a really good shooter. He can, he can score in isolation. I, I think basketball fit wise, he can fit almost anywhere. He's a great passer. I think he can fit Absolutely. almost anywhere. Yeah. It's the, it's the off the court stuff. It's the, the in between games stuff that I think bothers other front offices and maybe scares them off. And if you're, unless you're Brooklyn and you've got Kevin Durant saying, do what you can to get this guy and pair him with me and Kyrie Irving or if you're Philadelphia and maybe you think that the fit between Ben Simmons and Joel B. just isn't going to work and that you might as well go after James Harden, who again, as a basketball player, fits perfectly with either one of those guys. Um, I, I don't know what other situation is really out there for James Harden. And so when I ask what happens now, where do the Rockets go? Like if a Brooklyn trade or a Philadelphia trade were going to happen, it feels like that, it feels like it could have already happened. Right. And so why hasn't it yet? And I don't know if this is just, The Rockets saying, you know what, we're willing to be uncomfortable and go into the season and deal with this. But after trading Westbrook for John Wall and starting to move in that direction, it's sort of signaling now that they're willing to at least clean house a little bit. And I don't know if they're willing to go so far as to to trade James Harden yet, but even if they were, I I wonder if it's going to take some other team, some other offer to get this thing going and finally, you know, split up Harden and Houston.
1: That's a good point, because I look at, you know, what's happened over the last couple of weeks and between the machinations of Sam Presti in Oklahoma City and Milwaukee's acquisition of Drew Holiday and everything they gave up in order to acquire him and what they were willing to give up to acquire Bogdanovich as well. Of course, that fell through. But the, the market has been set so high. That's an incredible standard. And for a player of James Harden's caliber, an MVP type player, a guy who's going to be in the top five running every year for MVP, one of the best scorers perhaps in NBA history, maybe no team is willing to pony up what that kind of player generates in terms of value. And if that's the case, maybe they're not going to get fair share or or equal value for a player like Harden. So they might not be willing to trade him. I don't know. This isn't you know, moving bad contracts or bad contracts in the case of Westbrook and and Mm -hmm. wall. Although I I think you could say that both players, if wall is healthy, they can both contribute to some degree, but I mean, I'm not sure what other player is of the same caliber as Harden or what package of players is in the same caliber as what Harden generates as an individual player. And if that's the case, maybe you're right. Maybe there is no deal in the works. Maybe there can't be because no other other team has stepped up with the right amount of picks and right fit players That would satisfy whatever they're trying to do in Houston. But I
0: mean, they they kind of remind me a little bit of the Kawhi Leonard situation uh, when he was trying to force his way out of San Antonio through any means necessary, right? And Uncle Dennis got involved in all those things, and it just became a toxic situation in San Antonio. And all that time, we were like, all right, what is Boston going to be willing to pony up for Kawhi Leonard, right? It was just Boston, Boston, Boston. It feels like something similar right now with James Harden. It's just like, all right, what would Brooklyn be willing to offer? Are they willing to do another godfather-type deal, the, the type of deal that kind of screwed them for half a decade when they did it before for Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce?
1: But think about that, though. Like In that, in that term, what was it? It was Jakob Pertl, DeMar DeRozan, yeah. and maybe a pick? Like that's what was shipped in order to acquire a player right, like Kawhi. I was
0: dealt dealing with some injury issues, and we weren't really quite sure about the quad muscle and all that stuff. But to me, what happened was that Toronto came out of nowhere and was like, you know what? We'll take we'll we'll offer whatever it is to get to get Kawhi Leonard. And back then, Jakob Bertle and and Demar Derozan that, that was considered a decent package, right? Like, d- people were like, oh, they're they're going to split up the Demar Derozan and Kyle Lowry thing. They're going to get rid of their best player uh, in order to take a gamble on on Kawhi. I wonder if, as this thing plays out, it it ends up playing out similarly, like where we're all looking at this one team in the Northeast and it ends up being some other team that swoops in and just says, you know what? Screw it. Whatever Harden's toxic toxicity is, and whatever off the court stuff we may have to deal with, it might be worth it just to go get a guy, a player of his caliber. And I, I just, Again, I look around the league, and and you try to figure out what teams make sense, and there's just not that many of them. And even if they do, it's hard to find a, a package that makes a whole lot of sense for Houston. But it, it just feels like that another team could end up swooping in here and and you know nudging this situation uh, to the point where they end up you know splitting up James Harden and the, and the Rockets. There.
1: It sounds like you've got some ideas. I mean, knowing no you, ideas. you always have some <laughs> theoretical trade in the work. Let's hear it
0: um well it's the team I already talked about I I if you're the Spurs what do you got to lose like you've got Greg Popovich at the end of his career you you don't really have any identity you could throw DeMarta Rosen in there LaMarcus Aldridge whatever player on that big contract that you want to throw in you've got other contracts that you can stack like Rudy Gay on an expiring you've got a bunch of first round picks you got a bunch of young, interesting players like DeJounte Murray, Lonnie Walker, Derek White, Keldon Johnson. Like, just take a bunch of those things, put them together, add some first-round picks and some pick swaps, and go get yourself a franchise player because I don't see the way that you get him otherwise. And and I, I thought it was interesting that in the bubble, San Antonio had a lot of success basically playing DeMar DeRozan the way that Houston plays James Harden. You, they put DeRozan at the middle of the floor and they let him create in isolation and kick out the shooters and do all these things they experimented with a very Rockets way of playing even though they didn't tilt it all the way in that direction but I think that there if anybody could sort of get the most out of Harden you would think it would probably be a guy like Greg Popovich I don't know I just if I'm this I tend to go too far to the you've got nothing to lose so might as well just do it way of thinking. Like, that's why I thought Charlotte should have gotten, gone after Russell because nobody cares about the Hornets. And I really like, nobody cares about the Spurs right now. And I don't really see the way out of this weird, like semi-media. Like, I don't even think they're a playoff team yet. It'd be one thing if you were like, Hey, we're going to keep winning and we're going to be the seventh seed in the West and keep the culture going. But like, no, you're not even really a winning team. You're not a playoff lock by any stretch. I don't know. Just, Push the chips in. Just do something. James Harden, you've got him under contract for several more years after this. I don't know. It's just a thought.
1: I like it. I mean, I think if there's going to be a current coach who can reach Harden at this point, I mean, Popovich has as good a chance as anybody. I don't think he's, maybe I'm wrong here, and I'm sure that I'll probably hear from it, you know, from Spurs fans, but I don't think he is that much of a rigid disciplinarian where he can't find some common ground there. And Harden, all the drama and off-the-court issues and questions and everything else notwithstanding, to me anyway, I, I always think of him as being a very cerebral player and a guy that understands the game in a very high level, probably better than most players in the NBA, perhaps and even better than some players historically. And if that's the case, I think that's a good foundation to establish a strong relationship with Greg Popovich. And, and if that's the case, then yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I just wonder, though, on the flip side of that, whether or not Popovich, and as you pointed out, is towards the end of his career, perhaps, if he wants that kind of, quote, unquote, hassle or headache. If he just wants to say, you know what, I'd rather stick to my guns, play boring-ass basketball with boring-ass players and not have much of an identity rather than risk having chaos uh, you know, or, or something potentially disruptive in the presence of James Harden. And, yeah, you'll achieve less. But does it really matter for a for a coach as accomplished as Popovich for a franchise as accomplished as the, as the Spurs? Maybe they're not necessarily looking to sacrifice whatever it is that they currently have in terms of their identity and their culture and everything else in order to go after a player of Harden's caliber. But potential
0: off the court issues. Yeah, and if your Houston is like that, even like what do you want from James Harden? I would imagine that the best like the dream scenario would be like Ben Simmons from Philadelphia. But from what we understand, Tillman Fritito just doesn't want to play ball with Darmori despite it, you know, potentially netting the best possible outcome for your team. But no,
1: you now that's a toxic culture there. It,
0: well, you know, very, very James Dolan-ish, right? Oh, you're <laughs> going to be bitter and put your, you know, personal I'll show you literally everything else. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I think Rohan was right. It, or at least the person talking to Rohan, it, maybe it is, maybe it is just Knicks of the South and, Look, they don't even like the pizza's not even as good. I just they really don't have as much going for them as even. What, the what is
1: the what is the go to food of Houston? Is it just like steak? I don't know.
0: Yeah, I guess because Texas, you would think it'd just be like big steaks. I don't know. <laughs> the The coolest thing about that area around the arena is that the the Marriott across the street has a giant pool in the shape of Texas. Oh my! So they got that going for them. <laughs> yes. Craig, shout out to Craig Biggio's, the sports bar right there. I mean, you know.
1: Named after former Astros great, Craig Biggio?
0: Yeah. The very one. Wow. Yeah. Is,
1: it, is it is it Craig Biggio's or is it Biggio's? I think
0: it's Biggio's. I think it's just Okay, that Biggio's. makes sense. And uh, I had a uh, quesadilla there and it was all right. It all
1: right. it's a quesadilla like i can't i know we've completely gone off the rails here but i don't know how you can mess that up i suppose it's the fillings right i mean it could get soggy yeah uh
0: it, you, you could cook it soggy. badly yeah you can it, it can get soggy um and, and sometimes you can get like weird ratios of fillings in there like i've had i've had quesadillas with like like lettuce like wilted lettuce in there and i was like that's nice. not a place for lettuce and no it's not um like, just too many onions, I think, could screw it up. You know, b- bad tomato, a bad tomato. And, and, it's, ruin a, and it's
1: the distribution, too, right? The distribution, it matters. Like, I, I feel like like cooks, especially when you're trying to crank out these things, you know, at, at places, they all put these toppings like right in the middle, you know, right, and it just doesn't distribute it the way that you'd like it to
0: yeah you don't want
1: that yeah and then you've got like this crust with nothing on the outside it's like no thanks i understand that you're trying to keep it all together it's about packaging as much as anything else but man it just like it a little better i want to have like some consistency of flavor throughout
0: i'm not saying that those that problem at Bugios. um i think you are but i'm not saying it wasn't uh up next we'll start we'll talk about how the coronavirus is already affecting the nba season and what we can expect for the rest of the season but first david tell our listeners about headspace
1: well, look, you brought it up. COVID is uh, something that weighs on everybody's minds. And I think 2020 has been a very stressful year for all of us, regardless of your affiliation politically or anything else. You can't say that 2020 has been easy for you and life can be stressful under normal circumstances. So that's why if you're looking for stress relief and you look no further than headspace, it's your daily dose of mindfulness in a form of guided meditations and an easy to use app. Headspace is one of the only meditation apps advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation. If you talk to players around the league, one of the things that they always talk about is being mindful, being present. And I think an app like Headspace is so functional because it puts you in that same kind of mentality of being aware of the moment and taking advantage so that you can make the most of your day. But if you're having problems uh, and feeling overwhelmed, or if you need some help falling asleep, then Headspace's approach to mindfulness can reduce stress, improve sleep, boost focus and increase your overall sense of well-being. Who couldn't use that? You deserve to feel happier. And Headspace is a meditation app made simple. So go to headspace.com slash NBA and get one free month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. That's the best deal being offered right now. Start off the new year right. Go to headspace.com slash NBA today.
0: Well, the coronavirus is already impacting the NBA season. 48 of the 546 players have tested positive. Teams like Toronto, Portland, and Golden State have had their training camps uh, up- impacted by positive cases. The Warriors had had two people test positive. The Raptors and Trailblazers had three each. Uh, David, we haven't even gotten to a season yet. N- no games have been played, and I don't, I- I'm not trying to make too much out of this but what this shows me is that all these players again are they coming back into market and it's it was expected that you would have several positive cases but they're no longer playing in a bubble and they're going to be moving from market to market anyhow and the nba released these new protocols and these new standards but the and and they're they're vast and they're wide ranging and it's not worth getting into here on a podcast you can find it written down in any number of places but what stands out to me is that Yeah, they're no longer in a bubble and no longer is the authority a central authority. Instead of the NBA taking care of all these protocols in a bubble in Orlando, every individual team has to take care of their own situations. So you've got 30 different teams, 30 different organizations trying to handle something as delicate as traveling and and completing a 72-game season during this pandemic. And the other part of this uh, these protocols that stands out is that they're not waiting for this vaccine, that they're not even hoping that they can get it by the time the the season is over. And so David, basically what I'm asking you with that is what are your thoughts on the NBA trying to complete the season? And, and what do you, how do you think that, do you think that there should be just like some people argue there's an asterisk over the bubble? Do you think that we're going to be sitting here this time next year and saying that there might be an asterisk over this season? Because I just, it feels to me that it is—it's going to be even harder to avoid the coronavirus now than it was even uh, at its, you know, "quote unquote" peak during the during the bubble.
1: I, you know, the asteroids talk, I think, has run its course. I think we saw from the bubble how difficult it was. It was a long process, and and while the bubble itself was a great environment to prevent infection and spread of COVID-19. It had its other, you know, side effects. Most you know, most importantly, I think a long draining mental battle at, with trying to stay upbeat, especially for those teams that were there until October. So, I mean, it was a very difficult journey. I think the asterisk talk has changed, at least to me, and from what I've seen, to be more of a positive reflection that the team that won the finals was able to do so not in spite but despite everything else, like they were able to triumph and persevere in a, in a way through an environment that was very, very difficult, much more, more difficult than I think other years past. If anything, like think about the the fact that teams didn't have to travel. Yes, that was a bonus for teams. Absolutely. But you also don't get a home court advantage, which you could argue evens things out for every team involved. But in, in, in a normal circumstance, gives teams perhaps a slight unfair advantage in terms of officiating. You, saw the number of close games in the orlando bubble had those been played in home arenas with referees that are swayed by large home crowds those games could change completely maybe a team that was eliminated might have had a chance to you know push it to a seven game series etc but as far as this season is concerned you know i can't help but bring it back to what i've seen from zoom media calls with miami and it just seems like it's going to be such a difficult process for teams to stay on top of it on their own, as you pointed out. It's up to them. It's up to them to kind of figure out the protocols, work around these things, and try and keep everything as healthy and clean as possible. And it seems like, you know, you've got the Raptors, who are, are you know, basically. Hundreds of miles away from where they would normally be holding training camp, and it's a uh, you know very unfamiliar situation where people are the players are trying to find housing and things of that sort. You can't control who you come into contact with. You know, in the cur- terms of Miami, like they've assigned their head trainer as their chief COVID inspector, so to speak. Like they've
0: mm-hmm.
1: kind of given him extra duties to try and make sure that everybody stays clean, that testing is being done regularly, that, that you avoid contact with, with people unnecessarily. Uh, you know, Kelly O'Linick mentioned that he's actually been reading the 130-some page protocol guide and, and like, you know, you take a little bit at a time and then you kind of talk to somebody internally and say, you know, what the hell does this even mean because there was language in there that was complicated for mo- your typical player and, and on top of that then something that eric spolster has stressed a lot it just you know players have to take ownership of this you don't have the nba managing things for you they don't they can't hold your hand through this process you're an adult you're in the nba you're a responsible professional making x amount of millions of dollars per year if you want to hang on to that livelihood then you have to have the opportunity to do so by making the most of it and taking ownership over your you're you're limit, limiting the kind of contact that you have with people trying to avoid situations like what we're seeing play out with James Harden etc and that's that's not easy I mean look let's be honest these guys like to do their own thing they've been enabled in a lot of ways throughout the course of their life, and you can argue whether or not that's right or wrong, but that's also the reality is that they get a lot of perks as a result of their incredible playing ability, and perhaps it's deserved, but now we have a situation where they kind of need to rein it back. They might not be so willing to do so, and I think we're just going to continue to see these impacts play out throughout the course of the season.
0: And you've got these small little things that I think can really affect the league as far as these protocols. Like, if you're a rookie, you can't take an Uber to the arena. Like if you're one of these players that like lives in a big city and you're renting a little apartment or something, or you're, you're just get signed or traded and you can't bring your stuff over. Like you're not allowed to take shared ride services. So what do you do? Do you get a ride from an assistant coach or somebody else? You have to go into these uh, arenas and small groups and get tested on a daily basis. And, you know, uh, you, you can't, I think you're going to see things like. You know, coaches love to organize these team outings to movie theaters and things like that. You can't do that anymore. Not just because movie theaters are closed, because those are now banned. You can't do these outside activities. Everything has to be strictly limited to these arenas, right, and to what happens in these arenas and these practice floors. So I, I just think that there's so many different ways to get in trouble basically, because if you break one of these rules and some, all of a sudden you go to some sort of event or you, one person goes off and gets into a, a, a rideshare service and catches something there and then brings it back to his teammates in a hotel after hours, you know, uh, poker game or something, then you've got – you can have an outbreak. And I think that the NBA – do you,
1: do you really think the league is going to – is the league really going to push these things? Do you think there's going to be – they're going to be disciplining
0: no. players? I think that they will have to at least early, just like you saw, you know, I forget who it was, but uh somebody walked off to go get a uh, DoorDash order or something like that in the bubble. Rashawn they,
1: Holmes, yeah, yeah. He stepped yeah. outside, he stepped like a foot outside the, the designated border or the light of bubble. And you can imagine all these like sirens going off and <laughs> right. swarm, the,
0: swarm, yeah. <laughs> the dogs just start running. Um yeah. I I yeah, I think that the NBA would like to, but how are they going to? It's so much easier again to do that within the confines of, of an NBA constructed, you know, artificial bubble. But in the like, how's how's the NBA going to know if you know somebody in, in Portland takes right. an Uber to a game or uh, accepts a DoorDash order from a guy without a mask or something? Like, you can't. It, it's so much harder to enforce that stuff. So once they find out, and if they find out, I can imagine that these initial penalties. Uh, will be steep whatever it might be uh ob- probably mo- monetary uh if anything but um or a suspension of some kind but, well, but, but I mean, I I mean, if i was a player enforce and I, that.
1: if i was a player i'd lie and say oh no 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 my friend dropped me off like i even right. the, your, your list of friends right don't you doesn't have to be like an approved friend that you've known for well, years yeah, you can or only travel
0: like now with like two people who are uh, family members Different or close, close friends that are you yeah. know have previous relationships with you and, and, you know, the team knows and is comfortable with it's crazy. And what, what I'm, and what I'm basically getting at here is that I don't think any of this stuff is really enforceable. Uh, I just, I just don't see how the NBA can realistically enforce it. It's only they, they can't. Inf- I think it'll be hard to enforce, easy to penalize, right? Um, easily reprimandable once you find out about stuff. And I think that's going to be their course of action. Now, there is also an understanding from this league that there is going to be games that are rescheduled. There's going to be instances where, you know, the Denver Broncos a couple weeks ago, couldn't play a, they had to play an entire football game without any of their quarterbacks because one of their quarterbacks tested positive and, and the rest of that quarterback room was at risk. Well, if you lose four players as an NBA team, that's like 30, 40% of your roster. I don't know, that, that's much more than just losing one, you know, a, a few people on a 50-man roster. And the same goes for Major League Baseball, where you could, if you're the, the Miami Marlins, you can lose 20 players and you could still go on and play a game. And so that's not going to be the case in the NBA. The reason that they came out the schedule in, in two parts and just releasing this first half schedule first is there's a recognition that they're probably going to have to reschedule some things and find ways to schedule them and to replay them in the second part of the season when they announce that in March. So uh i think we're in for a really weird next 3 months because they're trying to fit 36 or 37 games into 71 days and i'd be shocked if everybody completed their schedule the way it looks right now
1: oh no i mean i can't i can't imagine a world where some somebody's not going to lose a key amount of players and and again some similar to my concerns in the bubble prior to my understanding of how strict it would be uh, my feeling was that there was going to be a lot of risk and and our biggest concern i think when we talked on this show was what if a key player is lost to an uh, you know, infection and has to spend a, a significant amount of time like uh, we, even if you read the protocols if a player tests positive whether they're asymptomatic or not if they're asymptomatic they still have to sit out a minimum of 12 days right a minimum you, that's like four games during this compressed schedule it could be almost I, six games could be the difference schedule. between a playoff spot or not yeah yeah and, and then if you do show symptoms even if they're somewhat slight and there is that potential then you have to be asymptomatic and then begin the 12-day process so you could be missing 20 games 20 days rather and, and if that's a case that's a whole hell of a lot of the big chunk of the schedule and and that you you know, that's absolutely the difference between a, a playoff spot or not. I mean, right, especially the, during the 72-game
0: schedule as opposed to 82 right, games when all these ma- right. games matter that much more. And what's, what's interesting to me is that all these teams are going to try to keep any of these positive tests secret. Like, we don't know, Ooh, as far no. as I know, when uh, what the players for Golden State, who, who tested positive for Golden State, who tested positive for Toronto and Portland. I mean, there's, there's hints and there's ideas that we have out sure. there, and I have a pretty good idea of who these players are, but they're not going to go out and announce them. But you know what? When X player doesn't show up for a game because he tested positive for coronavirus and we don't remember him tweaking his hamstring the last time we saw him. Well, then we're going to know like for in the Warriors situation, they play Friday night against uh, the Denver Nuggets at their preseason home opener. Well, two whichever two players tested positive, they're not going to be able to play in that game under these protocols. So we're going to know, but we're not going to know until maybe even tip off or a few minutes before that when we get the injury report. So I, I and, and like you said, like these guys are going to miss three, four, five, maybe six games just for a single positive test or just showing symptoms. It, it, to, to try to make heads or tails of how this season is going to play out is really hard, just even knowing. It, it's one thing to say, well, the Lakers are the best team on paper, but you lose a key player for a week or 12 days or whatever it is, and all of a sudden – you know, maybe for a team like the Lakers it's not gonna matter because you you'd think they'd get enough games out of guys like LeBron and Anthony Davis won. even if one of them tested positive, they'd still be in the playoff uh, picture. But these fringe playoff teams, maybe not. You know, like what happens if if Chris Paul or Devin Booker, you know, get the virus for Phoenix? Well, that 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 could be the difference between the Suns making the playoffs and not. Up next we rank the NBA's title contenders on paper. But first David, tell our listeners about Bill Go.
1: Well look, at some point of day you're bound to hit a wall. Mine usually hits me in the early evening after a long day of work and playing with my son. He's two years old. He's a handful. He's got, unlimited amount of energy i unfortunately do not and uh, whatever your wall is let me tell you built go is a solution it's the healthy replacement for energy drinks but without any of the fake additives it's just natural ingredients that last built go comes in one and a half ounce packages that are easy to carry whenever your wall hits you if you're at a meeting at work or you have to power through a workout if you're out in the links playing some golf just put it in your pocket get through your day it's the best workout gel on the market and comes in three delicious flavors. My wife likes the chocolate mint. I love the peanut butter honey, but chocolate coconut is also really, really delicious. And how does Bilt Go work so well? Well, it combines energy gel with collagen protein that gets absorbed into your system quickly using vitamins, nutrients, honey, and just a kick of caffeine to keep you going strong. Well, it also strengthens joints, soft tissues, hair, and skin. So you feel good, but you look good too. So visit BiltGo.com and use the promo code LOCKED and you'll get 20% off your next order. So use the promo code LOCKED for 20% off at Biltgo.com. Let's go.
0: All right, David, training camp has started. The season is near, and now is a good time to catch up on which teams have a realistic shot to win the title this year. I've got nine teams by my count, so I'll share my rankings with you and then just get your thoughts, and I'll start with number one. It's the Lakers, I think, by all accounts, that they should be the favorite. You've got LeBron and Anthony Davis coming back. You have a, you're you know, the only team in the league with two top three players who play off each other really well. And unlike last year, you've just got your pick of the best three agents. You bring in Marcus All. You're able to add Montrez Harrell. You bring in Dennis Schroeder for some ball-creating ability. I think they got better than they were last year. I think they're gonna just they're going to know each other better. Uh, I, I, I see no reason why we wouldn't consider the Lakers the far and away favorites.
1: No, I, I think you're right. I mean, even amongst contenders, which are probably in a tier of their own, the Lakers are absolutely in their very own tier. They are heads and shoulders above everybody else, which is uh, something that's difficult for me to admit, but I think that's the reality uh, considering I did not think that they would be able to retool their roster as effectively as they did, but uh, considering the additions and extensions for LeBron James and Anthony Davis and everything else they did, they've, they've done a very good job. They've lost you know, maybe some key players in Howard and Rajon Ronda, but not really. And I think the replacements are much better than the players they lost. So uh, kudos to them. They've done a pretty good job of building and paying the right amount for the right kind of players that would fit in there and contribute at a pretty high level. So they seem to me to be a clear favorite for the title.
0: And then I kind of have a group of I don't know four teams that are right underneath yeah. them: uh, sure. the the Bucks, the Clippers, the Nets, and the Heat. Ooh. And I keep the Bucks in there because, despite Giannis's shortcomings in the playoffs, he's still Giannis. He's still the two-time MVP. I think they got better even just marginally with Drew Holiday. Uh, I still have obviously the postseason questions with them, uh, but I, I not not so many that I wouldn't consider them in the second tier, right? And the same goes for the Clippers, you know, that 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 their playoff performance was embarrassing and they should be embarrassed of it. But they're still they still have Kawhi Leonard. Paul George could be really good. Um, I think the Serge Ibaka thing was helpful. I still I, I I'm kind of also in my mind penciling in maybe one more trade that they make this season before the trade deadline. I still think that they need to get a point guard, maybe a ball handler away. a, a Spencer Dinwiddie, Derek Rose type of deal down the road that just helps them get one more ball handler on the floor when, when they have Kawhi to take some pressure off of them. But I see no reason to keep the Clippers in there because when they're good, they're really, really good. Uh, and then the Nets with Kevin Durant. I almost put the Nets at my number two. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I just I, I want to see how it looks with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving first. But I think they're deep. And if Kevin Durant's, and I want to see what Kevin Durant looks like coming off his Achilles. But if he's healthy, there's no reason to think he can't be the best player in the Houston Conference, even better than Giannis. And then I have the Heat in there because of all these teams. I think they're the deepest. I think Jimmy Butler showed last year he can lead a team to a, uh, an NBA final series. Bam Adebayo is only going to get better. Tyler Hero is only going to get better. You've got Eric Spolstra, who's still, with my money, is the best coach in the league. I, and, and so for all a few different reasons, I've got those, those teams in, in that second tier and in that order, Bucks, Clippers, Nets, and then Heat.
1: It makes sense. I I think, you know, we've been talking up the nets over the last couple weeks. I'm still a strong believer that that talent disparity is going to make them a very good team. I mean, you you look at their personalities meshing and the new coach and all the other question marks surrounding all that thing. That talent always seems to find a way to trump everything else in the NBA. And, And while it might not be a perfect fit, if those players are healthy, and first and foremost, that's a big thing. Like I, I can imagine people bringing up the comparison to Steve Nash's journey for the Lakers all those years ago, uh, and that was completely different. Like His back was already a mess, and Dwight Howard was no longer the player that he had been in Orlando, and, and so I, I don't think this is the same case. If KD is healthy, if Kyrie is healthy and engaged, and from what we've seen, it seems like that's the case, then I, I have to think that they're probably going to be one of the top two, three teams in the Eastern Conference.
0: And then my next year. At least that's my feeling.
1: For Miami. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no. I was going to say about Miami that, you know, I have questions about them, but they're hungry. They're ready to come back. If there's been a consistent thing from them in in the media week is that they're all looking forward to proving that last year was not a fluke. they're pissed off about that. And and they want to make sure that everybody knows that they were a very good team and, and a very good contending team.
0: I think that all those principles that they showed the basketball world in the bubble are going to carry over that ball movement, that defense, all of yeah. that stuff is going to carry over. They also have these great new jerseys that I think are going to help. Uh, yeah. I, I have no reason to keep the Miami heat out of there. Why would you? I, Jimmy Butler is legitimately a player, a, a top 10 player. Bam out of is not that far away from that. And the rest of that group is only going to get better. And what they did in the off season, I think they stayed about the same. You lose guys like Jay Crowder you bring in a guy like Avery Bradley, Moharkless, like, it's, oh, it, it's enough to just to keep that roster um, pretty even from last year, but then you got to factor in the internal improvement from guys like Bam and Tyler Hero, and I think they would just be a better team overall. That next tier is the, the, my final four teams, and I'll just rank them in order here. Number six, I've got the Mavericks. I've got the Mavericks above the, the Nuggets at number seven, the Celtics at number eight, and the Sixers at number nine. I think of all those four teams, the 76ers have the biggest swing factor, Right, if Doc Rivers and Daryl Morey can figure this thing out, if the Seth Curry edition and all this and his trading El Al Horford, all this stuff loosens things up, and and is able to spread the floor for Simmons and Embiid, and they can work out their the kinks in their system, then they could go from number nine to number two. You know, I, I think that they're that talented, but um, I think with the Mavericks, I just trust Luka Doncic so much, and I like their offseason moves. We're hearing positive news out of Dallas about Kristaps Porzingis. He's not going to be available for the season opener, but maybe soon after that. Um, so I've got the Mavericks there
1: at, at number six. I, I like the Mavericks as a team. I think the addition of Josh Richardson, uh, even though a lot of people are looking at Seth Curry and how dangerous he was playing alongside uh, Doncic, is, is a big loss for them. But I think, you know, we're, we're, we're so used to seeing what Richardson was like in Philadelphia and even when he was being miscast in Miami that you kind of forget how he he got to this point by being a really solid overall player that can defend at a high level. So he kind of fits in perfectly with what they're missing. He provides tenacious defense perimeter shooting. He can make some plays for others as well. And I think he can space the floor fairly decently, especially when he's not being asked to be a primary scorer or ball handler, which he won't be. So that's a great fit there. My only mark, I think, would be that I, I would say the Denver Nuggets probably got worse significantly, I think, mm-hmm. uh, this offseason. And if that's the case, I, I'm not so sure I put them in that top tier of contenders. I, I'd rather put in a Portland, to be honest with you. I think their moves make a lot of sense. Uh, I think the fit – I mean, you've already got one of the top ten players in the world in Lillard. And McCollum, as underrated as he is, is a perfect complement in some ways. And then you bring in a lot of key players, Cantor, Rodney Hood, you resign him. I, I think you know uh, Robert Covington is going to be a great fit there. I, I just I'm a big fan of what Terry Stotts has done in the past and what he can do with probably the most talented roster we've ever seen there in Trailblazers, maybe not history, but certainly during the Dame Lillard era. I think it's the best roster, and if that's the case, uh, you know this is a team that's two years removed from a birth in the Western Conference Finals. I, I can't see a reason why they wouldn't make it back again.
0: I think you're right about. It. Portland. And I probably could have extended this list from nine to 10 and included Portland. I have no problem with that. Uh, Damian Lillard, like you said, is as good as anybody at this point, um, especially in the playoffs, right? Like he's just one of those dudes that gets it done. And uh, defensively they finally have some of the guys that you need to get to where they want to be. If Nurkic is what he was uh, like, we saw him when he came back last year, then you've got a guy who could body up with guys like Anthony Davis and Marco Saul and Nikola Jokic and all these other, you know, players in the in the Western Conference so and and you've got Lillard who if, if it's a close game in the last couple of minutes you know you feel good about your chances right and you've got a guy like Robert Covington who can guard the Kawhis and the LeBrons that you're going to come across so I have no problem with that I, I like I, um, I, I keep Dallas above the Nuggets and the Celtics in part because I didn't love the off seasons that Denver and Boston had and I'm really I think Luka's is going to take another step and he you know he's one of the guys that we should be looking at as a possible MVP player um, this year. If, if the if the Mavericks are in the thick of the playoffs and, and you have a, have a firm grasp on a playoff seed, then I think Luka's going to get a lot of MVP love. And uh, especially because the NBA is based on this Christmas Day schedule and stuff, they're going to showcase Luka a little bit more than they ever have. But um, And then with the 76ers, I think, again, they're in this group only because their, their ceiling is such that they can get there. But if things don't work out, I think we'll know pretty soon. And, and they could drop out of the, this contender's type of status, and maybe maybe Portland does deserve to be in there um, before we wrap up today's show, David today is national Brownie day. so in honor of the holiday, I wanted to know if number one, if you're okay with nuts in your brownie and then to follow up on that question, what's your ideal brownie
1: No, I am not okay with them. Uh, I actually dislike nuts immensely I'm, I'm not a big fan of texture uh, I, I think they pretty much Ruin almost any dessert or food that they're added to. Like I, I'm not a big pe- fan of pad Thai that has a fair, too much peanut in it, and so I. uh It's not that I can't eat some on occasion. I just would prefer they're not mixed into my savory foods or even my sweets. Uh, so no. And as far as ideal brownie, whew, I don't know the one in front of me. I guess I'll, I'll eat any of them. I don't know that I've ever had like a massive preference for brownies either. It was another one, as our listeners are bound to know now that I did not grow up with did not eat many brownies I think I was like 20 years old the first time I had a brownie
0: oh wow I keep picking yeah. these foods that like you didn't even heard of until like you were an adult I didn't
1: eat much man I, I grew
0: up in a very strange effing household sorry <laughs> uh, I'm gonna avoid sweets altogether with these questions going forward but I my biggest problem with brownies is, is when it just you call it a brownie and then I bite into it and it's more like fudge Right, and it just mm. it doesn't have that that texture that you need from brownie. You want it to be like kind of soft and uh, like uh, in the middle, but not too soft. Where now you're talking about basically cake, and it needs to be crunchy on the outside. Because if it's not crunchy on the outside, then you basically you just handed me fudge. So you mm. need to have nice crunch on the outside and a soft squishy interior. I think is key. And what I have no patience for, I don't mind nuts. I prefer not to have the nuts, but what I have no patience for is when then you add the chocolate icing on top of that brownie in the first place. Okay. That's way okay. too sweet. There's no place for it. If the brownie is good enough, then it doesn't need the icing. So when I see icing on a brownie, basically that signaling to me is that your brownie's no good and you needed icing.
1: <sighs> Strong take. Uh, where do blondies fit in? Are blondies brownies or are they a completely different subspecies?
0: I think a a blonde, every blondie is a brownie, but not every brownie is a blondie. My God, (laughs) that is okay. I get it now. Thank you. I don't know. I'm not an expert on this.
1: Uh, It sounds like you are. I believe you 100%. Uh, Remember
0: to subscribe to new episodes of Locked on NBA, wherever you listen to podcasts, please rate, review and say nice things about the show. Thanks to Built Go and to Headspace for sponsoring today's episode. Thanks for listening. Stay safe and we'll see you back here tomorrow morning.